Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. What is it? The bowling alley. Why the bowling alley? Because it has games. It has games? What's your favorite game? Um, the fish. The fish? The wheeling them into the boat. Do you have to catch them? Mm-hmm. A ballerina. Are you in dance class? Yes. yes. Um, I'll buy some food, some chips, some queso. Um, I don't know. Hey. Would you spend it on any toys or? Uh huh. I'll buy some toys at Happy Lobby. At Happy Lobby. Do you love going Happy Lobby? Uh huh. What do you love about it? Um, because it has so many toys. <laughs> it's not a dream without Hobby Lobby. Oh boy, me just the entire time. The feet are just moving. Hey, welcome to church this morning. Hey, I want to affirm us just as a man as a church out of our church from this past week festival. How engaged so many of you have been. Just thank you so much. Like when my friends call me. I brag about how this church has stepped up and started engaging again. I know it's been really hard getting out of rhythms. Uh, I'm just really thankful. I'm just as a church with it. I was not excited about the dunk booth, just to be clear. Um, I'm not sure that dunk booth is of the Lord, uh, but I will keep working through that as we go. As we go into our second week of this morning, have you ever considered what makes you unique? And I'm not talking about your hot takes that you have in life. I'm not you may actually think, think that cats could be as affectionate as dogs. I'm not talking to the people who think that you could fathom that an oatmeal cookie is superior than all other cookies. I'm not talking to those of you who think dresses should never have pockets, or that ketchup should be room temperature, or that you think coffee should stay black, okay? I don't know who hurts you. (laughs) But I'm not talking about how that makes you unique this morning. I want to talk about your imagination. I want to talk about how you, as a human being compared to any other species, has the capability to imagine what could. Let me give you an example from my life. Uh, Back in sixth grade, I experienced the power of 
I was in sixth grade. I thought sixth grade was the make it or break it year, okay? I had big dreams, big plans for sixth grade year. And it was going to kick off by my birthday party because I knew I was going to ask for one epic gift. And I had considered a lot of different gifts. I thought about maybe I should get a Game Boy. Maybe I should get an Easton Pat. That I had big plans. My parents' plans. When I shared what my dream was of the gift, my father goes, no, 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 no. You don't want one of those. That's what every sixth grader wants. I'll tell you what you want, Zane. I was like, tell me what I want, Dad. He was like, imagine if you were to ask for your birthday, a 22-inch in diameter Toro 2.5 gross torque with a bagger and a recycler built into it. Now, that would be a sixth grade gift. And I said, Dad, why? I want a lawnmower. And he'd be like, because you can start a journey that every adult looks forward to called working. And I was captivated. So I asked for a lawnmower for my sixth grade birthday. And I was completely captivated until I wasn't captivated. I remember mowing a yard. It must have been like my fifth yard of the morning on a Saturday. My friends are at the pool. I'm dripping sweat. I'm covered in lawn and who knows what else. And I'm literally pushing this mower and I go, wait a second. This isn't what a dream should be. So I go back to my father and I'm like, you scammed me. You absolutely scammed me. And he goes, no, no, no. This is the best father this is the best father bit I've ever seen. He goes, no, 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 no. Zane, you're looking at this gift like what it wasn't compared to what this gift could be. And I go, I'm listening. And he goes, this lawnmower just isn't a lawnmower. This lawnmower is a portal. This lawnmower will take you wherever you want to go because one day you're going to want to take a girl out on a date. And you're going to have money to be able to take her out on this date. One day you're going to want to go out with your friends and you're going to have resources to go. You're going to pay for your friends to go to that trip. And you know what? As the years collected, that man was a visionary. Okay? I no longer hold a grudge. I've worked it out with my counsel. I've no longer. <laughs> because he didn't give me the of a lawnmower. He gave me the gift of what could be. This is the gift that the Father God gives to each of us ability and capacity to imagine in the world what could be that isn't imagined yet. This is what makes you different than a goldfish. This is what makes you different than any other species in the world. You can imagine what could be. You have the capability to see, to be able to imagine in the world. We think of things like apps. We think can see where a piece of IKEA furniture can fit into the it. Well, maybe we don't build it. It's very hard to build an IKEA piece of furniture. But we can imagine you are made in the image of God who dreams. And this morning where we come to in the second part of this series is answering the question of this. How do you begin to imagine with God So let's turn to Scripture this morning. If you wouldn't mind, and if you're able to, I'd like to invite you to stand. 
<clears throat> for the reading of God's word. If you're the type that's like, mm-mm, I got to see the script in Genesis 37 this morning, and you can turn to that page as well. This is the God who dreams. Genesis 1, 37 through 18. So Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed. And this is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brother. And the sons of Zilpah and his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other son because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him that he wore. And when his brothers saw his father, that they, he loved him more than hated him. And they could not speak a kind word. Now verse 5, so Joseph had a dream. When he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. They said to them, Listen to this dream that I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheave upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. And his brother said to him, Do you intend to roll? Ro you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream. And what he had said. But then he had another dream. He told his brothers, listen again, because the first time didn't go over so well. He said, I had another dream. And this time, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him. He said, what is this dream that you've had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come down and bow to you. His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept this matter in mind. Now his brothers had gone flocks near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks. Come, and I am going to send you to them. Very well, he responded. So he said to him, brothers are well with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent them off to the valley of Hebron. And when Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around the fields and asked, what are you looking for? And he replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they're grazing the flocks? They moved on from here, the man answered. And I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But when they saw him at a distance, he reached them. They plotted to kill him. This is the word of the Lord this morning. You can be seated. When there is divinely given energy, there tends to be a dream that follows behind it very quickly. Now, one of the things to hear from this passage this morning is that Joseph does not come to us in a picture-perfect family world. Joseph does not come from the family that has a mother, a father, 2.5 kids, and a white picket fence. This God dreams with a family that is full of dysfunction. If you looked at the breakdown of Joseph's family, he's got three mothers. 
He's got 12 brothers. The text doesn't even tell you how many sisters. And there's enough dysfunction to make the Brady Bunch blush at how much is going on. Now, in the first four verses of this passage, the writer of Genesis wants you to know not just what type of family Joseph comes from, but the writer also wants you to know what type of man Joseph is in this family. He is a tattletale, and he is favored for his family. Let me translate those three. He's a shepherd. He knows how to guide people. Second, he's a tattletale. Joseph cannot let go something that he sees that's not right or is an injustice. And then third, he is favored. He wears the robe, the classic robe that everyone knows. This would be one of the tangible ways a father would anoint a He's the guy, okay? And you got to watch the text very closely, especially for those of us who have grown up hearing this story all the time. The text actually says that he loved Joseph because he was age. But for those of you who know your Bible, you should pause at that phrase. He's not the youngest. Benjamin is the youngest. So if you take that phrasing literally, it kind of leaves you with a question of like, so why is Joseph technically the favorite if he's not the youngest? Because he had another son when he was older. But if you don't take it literally, but you take it matches up with the coat of colors, Genesis is trying to say this, that Joseph is the type of man that if you ran across, his potential all over the he'd be the kid that you see that you're like mm, one day one day he's going to become something and this is where all the energy of the text moves of what the perception is around him the energy tells you what god is doing there was a uh, translator of the Bible around the 19 or 18, 18, nope, 1950s uh, time frame. His name was J.B. Phillips, and he talks about his life work, about how he ran into his life dream. And one of the things is he knew that he had stumbled upon his life's work because he felt an electric energy when it came to what he was working on. The way he described it was, when I do my work, when I do what I feel like I am meant to do in the world, it is like working on a house with the electricity completely on the entire time. Like I am wiring this house, and every once in a while I just feel a shock of energy. Have you felt a shock of energy over the past year and a half or two? I'm talking about those moments when you get in conversation with people and you bring up something and you can't help yourself, but you just keep talking and talking and you know that everyone else is no longer interested in what you're saying, but you just love it so much. Have you ever had a moment at work where you're like, this feels like a drudge most of the time, but then you do that one thing that you're like, that one thing paid the rest of the day that I had to do. Can you sense the energy? Joseph struggles to put his dream into words, but let it be known that Joseph, that he's literally going around and he's telling the people 
who hate him. He's telling them the dream. That's how much energy that he has. I wonder for those of us struggling to know the next chapter in life, I wonder about the energy that you feel towards life. Some of us I know have just retired. Some of us are about to finish school. Some of us have the kids moving out. Some of us have had who we have cared for pass on. When you do not have work, the dream, one of the ways to look for God's dream for your life is to ask, where does the energy naturally flow from? Now, dreams make us ask very hard questions. And there's a hard question that Joseph gets asked. You know, Joseph shares the dream, not one. That's a biblical theme across the board. If you want to know if God's doing something, God's not a one and done. God's going to keep saying the dream. Point. Joseph even gets asked the question by his brothers. Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? Because of what he said about his dream. Let me translate this for you. What are you saying about yourself? What are you saying about the future? What are you intending to say that you are about? The Stanford Center of Adolescents, they one time did a survey because they're like, you know, when we talk about dreams and talk about people's future, we tend to ask these questions to people that are between the ages of around 6 all the way to 21. But then we start to lose asking that question. So this group actually pulled and surveyed and they said, you know what? Since we ask young people this question all the time, we're going to go ahead and we're just going to ask older people how they feel about their passion and purpose. So they went around and they polled people that were beyond the ages of 21 and said, by this point in your life, how do you feel about answering the question of your passion and your purpose that you have in life? And of course, the answer to the survey ended up saying eight out of 10 people did not feel like they had a good grasp on what their purpose or their passion was in life. Isn't this such a real feeling that as you get older into the world, you become less clear or less convinced of what your passion or your purpose may be? We tend to talk about passion and purpose like it is this pre-existing condition. If you've seen the Disney Pixar movie Soul, we act like something gets dropped into us and then we just move around the world and we have to find our passion or purpose. And here's the thing about the Christian faith. It approaches passion and purpose differently. Because if you watch the way that Joseph dreams with God, it is not about Joseph finding, hunting, discovering a passion or a purpose. Instead, it is Joseph entering into a process with what God is already doing. And Joseph is very young in this process in more ways than one. The text tells us that he is 17 years old and he is going around and he is sharing this dream across the board. And it's so hard with Joseph to know, is this a God? 
God working through Joseph's already existing dreams. And this is one of the beautiful things about Scripture, is it doesn't answer, is God just shooting this dream down, or is Joseph working out his own dreams with what God may be doing? It's hard to tell because you and I's desires are always hard to tell. What's God's? And what's ours? Here's the thing about desires. At times we've oversimplified desires in the Christian faith. And if you look back at history, we have talked so dynamically about the desires that exist around you and are bubbling inside of you. How we've oversimplified desires is we've basically said, if you don't desire God, which that's very hard to grasp sometimes. How do I make sure I'm desiring it? If you don't desire God, though, and we've kind of operated through life of saying that if you have a desire, that desire is prob. And what Christian history tradition would say is that your desires are not bad. They're just bent. That they bend inward. That because of sin, we've been impacted, that our desires get twisted, and we channel them in weird, strange, wrong, non-intended ways. But underneath the flow of your desire is a channel to meet God. And that's where dreaming is so good for us. Because where you find a dream in your life is where you pop open the hood of desire that there's something to find within that. Let me use an illustration from a guy by the name of Scott Erickson. Scott Erickson is a spiritual director, and he basically stays here. That was a close one. You had my back, though, Katie. I appreciate that. She's got my back, okay? Scott Erickson has these three images to kind of help you know whatever desires are kind of bubbling within you. Here's the way that you can start with your dream and move towards These are the desires that I have with God. Now, he uses three images, okay? Three pictures that he wants you to grasp. Now, here's the first one that he uses. He describes your life as a tuning fork. Do we remember what a tuning fork is? Yeah, okay. In science class, you would have thought my teachers thought this was the most valuable tool in life. Like, I had to define all the time what a tuning fork was and what a Bunsen burner was. How many times have I used either of those products? None. Now, if a science teacher would have taught me how to use a plunger, that would have been very helpful. I would have been all... He would describe... All right, if you've never seen a tuning fork, a tuning fork is an instrument that aligns all other instruments together. So you hit it, and it's, it's the key of C this morning, okay? You hit it, and you tune everything else with it. And Scott would... If you want to figure out your dreams in life, ask yourself the question. Like when you describe to other people what you want your life that sound like. Attunement in our lives, we have some type of standard that we live by, and then we're trying to attune or match with it. That's the first one, okay? Tuning for Second one, he would say, He's going to say blanket, uh, but I'm going to use some artistic freedom. Okay, this is going to be a Snuggie. 
Okay, life is very much like a Snuggie. Now, I don't know why this is a Nebraska one, but that's okay. All right, I'm going to put this on. Uh, no flash photography at this time, okay? Uh, if my mentors know that I'm preaching like this, they will come down here, and they'll be like, what are you doing? Okay, the second one Scott would say is that life, I did not imagine this this morning. He would say the second is life is like a Snuggie. When it comes to your dreams and desires in life, you desire a certain type of feeling. That you, when you think about life, when you you want. And usually the feeling that's implied with it is how you feel right now. Fulfilled. I know I look ridiculous, Eric. I know. If you get those desires fulfilled, you will feel a different way than you did before. So the first one is all about sound. The second one is all about feeling. And then the third one this morning but the third would be a vehicle so he describes it as think of life as a path in the journey some of us dream thinking of in a certain destination that we're trying to go to that usually what we did is growing up we saw somebody a certain path that we saw in life and we said i want that same path have all the details of the dream, we know that there's a certain we want to go on. Have you thought about which one of these tends to be your dream? A person that goes for a certain feeling in life. Are you the type of per person that wants your life to sound a certain way? Are you the type of person that goes, I want a certain path that is in my life? If you pop open what is the dream or desire underneath one of those three categories? You find a place to actually be able to meet God in the midst of it. Because in our desires, if you find a desire deep down, you will tend to find a place to meet God. Can I bring you back to Joseph and his desires? It's very confusing at this part of Joseph's story. You get the whole text in Genesis. You get the whole kit and caboodle. But if you were to just hear this beginning part with Joseph, it's very ambiguous. Stir behind this. Remember, Joseph's father is a dreamer, just like his son. Is this Joseph's dream or is it his father's dream? Some of us do not need to sit on that question too long. Is because Joseph is the youngest in his family out of 12, and he desires to be known as attention. In this dream that he has, where's the mention of God in the midst of this dream? In the ancient culture, dreams always involved God, and he's not there. It seems that Joseph catches a glimpse of God's dream. But God's dream is different and harder than what Joseph can see or imagine yet. And by the way, just to let it resonate a little bit deeper, pay attention to the imagery in the text. Jacob's a or Joseph's a shepherd. It's not about sheep. He actually reaches for Egyptian imagery. Joseph does that how he imagines this will go will be different than what he can dream. And this is the story that the Bible is always telling about the God that we see with Joseph. Is that this God is not like 
Jacob. It's not like Joseph's father. This God doesn't play favorites. This God dreams and chooses people for God's dream, for the blessing of other people. That this is who this God is. When Joseph dreams with God, he does not see that prison will be in his future. He does not see all the years of He will not know that his family will abandon him and disown him. Joseph will go through difficult suffering. But this is the case with dreaming with God. Usually our dreams are a small piece of what God is dreaming. To let them mature. For us to be able to catch what God wants to do in our lives. There's a... Phenomenal about marriage in the middle. She's basically a counselor that walks through what is it like when your marriage has gone 15 years, 20 years, feel like there's very little left in the tank. She writes this excellent book. You'll hear me quote a couple times within the next year, but she has this one quote about dreams, and she says it like more susceptible. I can't get that word out today. We just got to skip it, okay? I know. All right, though some of us are. All right, I belong here now. Okay, to magical thinking. Man, that's rough. We all need to recognize between dreams and fantasies. Possibilities with God because they're connected to our potential and our gifts funnel us into cul-de-sacs because they appeal to our pride and our own accomplishments. If you hear anything from me this morning, who live with fantasies, we are people who are made in the image of the God who dreams, and you are meant to dream with God. A life of fantasies oriented around how can I make sure life is the most convenient way possible a life of fantasies is saying how can I watch out for me a life of fantasies is a have enough commas in my bank account to make me feel good but dreams dreaming with God those dreams desires the things that I'm most passionate about and how can I design them in such a way that I bless other people as I pursue them. How dreams are saying, what do I imagine for generations that are beyond me? Dreams are asking, what can I do for my neighbor? Dreams are having dreams for other people in your life. Sometimes I think we make evangelism too complicated. Sometimes I think we think we have to have all these perfect answers about Jesus. And my question to you that first step of sharing the Lord with someone is simply just telling someone what you dream for them in their life. Sometimes we overcomplicate it too much, but one thing is for certain is that God God calls us to dreams. And oftentimes we think, and that's never the case. The dreams of God are not, you got to get bigger and bigger and bigger with mature into what well or here's how sister rosemary would say it our dreams need to follow 
the bottles. Let me finish you with this story today. There is a sister by the name of Sister Rosemary. If you were looking for her around the planet, you would find her in Gulu, Honda. You would find her in bright white Nikes, cheering on the women at her school in St. Monica. In a haven for those who have experienced trauma or violence by rebel soldiers. And one of the stories she loves to tell is that a long time ago she had a dream of helping out the women that were here, but as she processed it with God, it made her more frustrated and frustrated of the world. Until one day, she came across an article that talked about make a brick, water bottles, and mud. And with this, she stopped being critical and she became curious. And further, and she looked around herself and she said, the one thing I have in Uganda all around me is a bunch of trash, a bunch of water bottles. But if I dream with God, what could this look like? So she taught herself how to fill the water bottles with mud and solidify them in a way that she could build houses just made off of water bottles and mud. And now if you were to go to Gulu, Uganda today, you would find her school surrounded by all of these houses, these dreams, that she built these houses for all of the women that go to her school. They're earthquake-proof, they're bulletproof, and they keep temperatures lower. Mary, what's the key to dreaming? She would say, dreaming starts with being around you and what God may be calling you to. Church, you have all you need. It is all that you have, and God is already at work around you. The question with God and figure out what are the ways that we desires in our dreams towards God's desire and God's dream. Can we finish today with the question? I'd like to invite you to consider a question just like we had with last week. This would be the question this morning. What dream inside of you? I want to give you a minute or two as we finish this service just to write down what is a personal dream that you have experienced or you are wondering or you are curious about to spend that time with God and then write it on the card about a gut sense of what you want to see happen think about a desire that you've had with your job maybe it's a desired shift for the wider culture in the future what's a personal dream stirring inside you
If you serve communion this morning, I'd like to go ahead and stand up. And uh, in a second, we're going to have some people passing around baskets. And last week, our leadership, and we actually prayed over the dreams that you shared with us, church. So this week, there's going to be a couple of people that are passing baskets around. If you want to just take your card, throw it in the basket, our staff and our leadership will pray over it. Also know if you want to keep... Confidentiality. If you want to keep confidentiality, do not check the box that is on that card, and we will make sure that we do not share that card within worship or with anyone else with it. But last week, church, it was so meaningful to hear some of the dreams in which you're wrestling through. This week, we would like to pray over these dreams as well for what you may be dreaming in the future. So if you want to go ahead and come Always put the dream cards in the back if you're not finished yet as well. I want to go ahead and invite Danny Champion up this morning. Danny's one of our elders. And uh, Danny's going to finish our time by just reading a few of the pra- or a few of the dreams that we had last week. And then he will send us out at this time. But thank you, church, for dreaming alongside of us. Okay. Uh, Good morning, I'm Danny Champion and I'm one of the elders of this church. Uh, Last week Zane asked us, what's a dream you've lost or a dream that may never come true? And here are some of the cards you turned in. I'm going to read a few of them and pray over them. The dreams that were turned in have been prayed for by the staff and the leadership of this church. Uh, If you remember last week, there was a big pile of cards, so there's no way we can read all of the cards. Plus, some of them were confidential, but I am going to read seven dreams from last week. Finances without fear of failure. As a teen, it feels almost impossible to pick just struggle with letting people close to me. I think my dream should be without fear of judgment. Uh, this is a lost dream that may not come true. Friends who are no longer here. Ever since I girl, I've dreamed of being a wife and a mother. Sometimes I wonder if that day will ever come, but I choose to renew my hope in the one who is faithful. I dream that my wife's chronic pain will go away, or at the very least, be significantly reduced. I pray that my daughter will find Jesus again. I had a dream that I could find a group of friends that would see me for who I am, sit with me in my trauma-scarred life, and pursue me through my periods of withdrawal. Deepest hurts. So shall we pray? Our dear Heavenly Father, we we know that you are the Lord above all of us. 
or thank. We go to you every morning just to worship you. But Lord, we have some, some requests that we would like to make of you now. We, we have a set of dreams, and not just the ones that I read, but all of the ones that were turned in, that we ask for you to consider, because you know our hearts. Any selfish dreams. I read dreams that, that will actually help people get closer to you. So just please listen to these dreams, listen to these people, and help them find their way to your plan. In all of this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, at this time, we're just going to finish this by saying, go and live love. <laughs>